to build a relationship with your customers through content, it, it takes usually more than a year to do this. I know a lot of startups are like, oh, I want to do it right now, but it takes a long time. This is a media strategy. This is a publishing platform and it takes time. That's why we used to do three-year plans in publishing. So you got to make sure that you build in patience because it's not going to happen overnight. If you say, let's say you wanted results less than six months, and, and yes, there's you can get results, but if you said, oh, I really need to see hardcore revenue results in six months, I'd say go buy advertising. Don't do content marketing. But if you want to build a long-term asset that is going to drive your organization in ways that you never thought of, if you want, if you want to get closer to your audience than, than anyone possibly can and understand them better than anyone can, and if you want to build long-lasting relationships with them, then a content marketing approach is a good one. Do you want to impact the world and still turn a profit? then you're in the right place. Welcome to Growth Everywhere. This is the show where you'll find real conversations with real entrepreneurs. They'll share everything from their biggest struggle to the exact strategies they use on a daily basis. So if you're ready for a value-packed interview, listen on. Here's your host, Eric Sue. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text quick tips to 33444. That's the word quick Q-U-I-C-K and tips T-I-P-S is in sugar to 33444 and you get instant access. All right, everyone. Today, we have Joe Polizzi, who's the founder of Content Marketing Institute, which mission is to advance the practice of content marketing through online education, print, and in-person events. Joe is one of the leaders behind the entire content marketing movement and is the author of Content Inc. Joe, how are you doing today? Eric, I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me on the show. Yeah, thanks for being here. So why don't you tell us all a little bit about who you are and what you do? I don't know where you want me to start, but you know, I I got into the publishing industry in the year 2000. I started working for a very large uh, business-to-business publisher, and I, I and I ran the custom media or content marketing unit within that uh, publisher. And we started to do storytelling for big brands that didn't know how to tell stories for themselves. And as I got into 2006, 2007, I had this itch to start my own business. Really could sort of see how big this content marketing thing was going to be. I wasn't sure when, but I really felt that because of the, you know, the whole search engine optimization thing, social media, brands are going to have to start communicating directly with their audience. Launched this thing called Content Marketing Institute. Struggled for a few years, as most entrepreneurs do, getting it off the ground in 2010. Really, really started to turn around and roll. And, and now we're here in 2016. And you know, Content Marketing World is, is our event. It's the largest event in the content marketing space. You know, We'll have over 4,000 people in Cleveland in September this year to, to celebrate that. And it's just, you know, business is good and we're just going to roll it for as much as we can. It's still a lot of education to do in content marketing. A lot of companies are doing it, but they're still not doing it correctly. Got it. And I, I mean, just give us an idea of how much content you guys are producing nowadays. Well, we have lots of lots of things. So basically, daily blog. So it starts starts with our blog. That's the the main part of our content platform. Uh, we have a magazine called Chief Content Officer. Every two months, that goes out to twenty two thousand marketers. Uh, we have two major events: Intelligent Content Conference in March and Content Marketing World, as I said in September. We have two podcasts: my own podcast, Content Inc. Uh, Robert Rose and I, as you know, have a podcast called This Old Marketing, uh, and that's so so. 
that's sort of the main thing. We do three webinars a month. We do one big ebook every month. Uh, we are we do research. We do basically for the last seven years, we've been doing the, the benchmarking research for the industry. I mean, you name it. We do it. We have an online trading program. Everything we do is focused on education and training for our audience. And, and then we monetize certain parts of that in order to run the business. Got it. And can you give the, the audience a, a rough idea of you know how traffic numbers look today or anything around revenues and growth rates? Yeah, I mean, we're, we'll, uh, we'll do over uh, $10 million in revenue this year. Uh, that's We're an Inc. three-time Inc. 500 company, so we've been growing at, at a rapid rate. Uh, we... Uh, from a from a online traffic growth standpoint, I mean, I really look at subscribers. Email subscribers are a key metric. We have about one hundred and sixty five thousand email subscribers. Uh, we add about uh, let's see, about two hundred a day nice. at this rate is what we're. And our focus is not on small companies for the most part. Content Marketing Institute we target enterprise marketers, so marketers that work for really big, large billion dollar uh, companies. Uh, not that we don't have some messaging for small companies, but that's what we focus on. And, and traffic has cons- consistently been good. I mean, it's not our key indicator, uh, but you know, we get. I think last year we had seven million uh, visitors to the site, uh, type of thing. So, I mean, I really, to be honest, that no, 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 that's not per month. That is, that is over the year. Uh, and so, basically, what we get fifteen to seventeen thousand a day, or something like that. And and honestly. We look at those, Eric, but they're not our key consideration because our key consideration is we want to sign people up to be ongoing subscribers to our content. And once we do that, then we open up opportunities to, to sell them things that hopefully they need. Yeah, I think that's a really important point. You know, people talk about shares or links and things like that. You know, that's, that's good. That's, I think those are good, you know, higher level metrics. But I, I think when you want to get a little, when you want to get deeper and look at the bottom line, I think it all ties into more email subscribers because those are, those are easy to quantify, right? Well, at the end of the day, web traffic is a meaningless metric unless you can unless you can say, "Hey, the more we get this kind of web traffic, the more that we convert those people into our loyal readers, and then we then we can start to look at behavior because I want to I want to make sure, okay, that is our reader, that is our user, that is our customer, whatever you want to call it, and then we can start to say, "Okay, well, how does that user, that reader's behavior change because of the information we communicate with them. And then how likely are they to buy this versus that or whatever? We can really start to understand them. And that's really all I care about. And, and it, all the social media stuff, I mean, we do, our team does a great job with social media, but at the end of the day, it's all about building an audience because I can't control any of those subscribers, followers, fans on those platforms because they might not be there tomorrow. They might be gone. So what what do I have control over? Our email subscribers, our print subscribers, and that's what we focus on. Totally agree with that. Um, now, when, you know, obviously you guys are doing everything across the board right now when it comes to content, but when, you know, especially startups that are listening, when they're starting out, I mean, if you were a startup, you know, let's just say you got, you know, $5 million in funding, venture funding, you know, where would you start when it comes to content marketing? Focused. Be very focused on who your target audience is. And obviously, you mentioned my book, Content Inc., and it's all about the idea of how do you build an audience first, and then you build up, uh, you know, they basically know, like, and trust you more than anything else. And then if you build that relationship so close with them, you can sell them whatever you want. And what a lot of startups, a lot, what a lot of companies do is they say, okay, here's the stories we want to tell. And they basically throw up that story everywhere on the web. That is not a winning proposition. That actually is something you should not do. What we found out with... Every startup, because in in the book, we researched dozens and dozens of these startups and entrepreneurs, 
And what we found out is they all follow the same methodology. Basically, okay, here's my audience. Here's that. Here's my content tilt. Here's how I'm uh, differentiating that story versus everything else that's out there. And then they're just focusing. How do I focus on one content type? Is it audio? Is it video? Is it textual? One content platform? Is it my blog or website? Is it YouTube? Is it iTunes? Uh, Consistently deliver. Am I delivering every day, every week? Am I doing so at the same time? Am I keeping my promise with my customers? Am I setting an appointment with them on a regular basis? And then time, patience. So to build a relationship with your customers through content, it, it takes usually more than a year to do this. I know a lot of startups are like, oh, I want to do it right now, but it takes a long time. This is a media strategy. This is a publishing platform and it takes time. That's why we used to do three-year plans in publishing. So you got to make sure that you build in patience because it's not going to happen overnight. If you say, let's say you wanted results less than six months, and, and yes, there's you can get results, but if you said, oh, I really need to see hardcore revenue results in six months, I'd say go buy advertising. Don't do content marketing. But if you want to build a long-term asset that is going to drive your organization in ways that you never thought of, if you want, if you want to get closer to your audience than, than anyone possibly can and understand them better than anyone can, and if you want to build long-lasting relationships with them, then a content marketing approach is a good one. I agree with that. I mean, it's, it's a long approach. And oftentimes I think it's, especially in the tech world, people are, you know, they have investors breathing down their neck, thinking about why aren't you pouring more into paid advertising? You know, it scales quickly, but you have to play the long approach. Um, and it just doesn't work when it comes to, when it comes to content marketing. It's, it's the same thing. I, I recommend paid advertising if you want a quick return for sure. Um, exactly. Well, the, the one thing, the side note, and I just saw this presentation. So, and we actually just talked about it on the podcast. If you were, if you were mm-hmm. listening to our rave, uh, Professor Scott Galloway from NYU did a great presentation on the Fab Four, uh, basically uh, Apple, uh, Facebook, Google, and Amazon, and goes through the whole thing. And he talked about advertising spend. And he, in that, he spent like two seconds talking about the really high growth companies today. They're not spending money on advertising. And a lot of what they're doing is content driven. So that's where to think about. If you're thinking about the fast-growing startups out there, they're not doing advertising. They're doing content marketing. They're building these followings, these inbound methods, this, these programs to really build, bring an audience to them instead of having to go up, go out, interrupt them, and find them. And and that it's a longer-term approach, but it absolutely works. What are some examples of some high-growth startups you think that are killing it with content marketing right now? Oh, there's some buffers. Great. Buffett's a fantastic example. I love how they're so transparent with their finances as well. So Buffett's <laughs> a great one to look at. Um, I, lo- I mean, I, actually, there's a couple of venture capital companies that are doing some great mm, work. OpenView yep. Venture Partners and NextView uh, out there. They're both out of Boston, believe it or not. They they do some great, great work really focusing on education and trying to, to attract these startups to them. So I think if you're a startup, you should be paying attention to those kinds of things. And then, you know, you have to mention a company like it's not a startup anymore, but you know, in the day, HubSpot built their entire program off of content. They are a billion-dollar valuation company because of what they've done uh, with their content marketing approach. So I think that you have to mention that. And then look at somebody like a Salesforce. See, look at Dreamforce. What would be the value of Dreamforce if you just separated that from Salesforce? It, it would be worth easily uh, you know, hundreds of millions of dollars if somebody wanted to pay for that. That is a real value. That's amazing what they've been able to create there. So I think if you just think about what are the most successful startups out there, what are they doing? They're really communicating differently and they're really not talking, they're not going out there talking about our product is awesome. You know, there's, I mean, look at Basecamp as another one. 
that they've really gone out and they've really focused on here's the needs of our audience. Here's the pain points. How do we focus on those pain points and deliver that on a regular basis? And and you, I can go on and on, but there's just a couple examples. Yeah, totally. And when people, I mean, you know, you're, first of all, you're, you're providing, you know, I hate to use the word providing value because it's used so much, but you are providing value. Um, and, you know, even, even if they don't convert, even if they don't subscribe, you still have your pixel, you, you know, you pixel them on Google and Facebook and you can still get them to take an action later down the road or even give them more content. So it's the relationship doesn't just end there if they bounce. So that's what I love about content marketing. Um, well, the, the value, you have to provide value outside of the products and services you offer. Mm-hmm. This is very tough for startups. I've worked with a lot of startups out there and they all, and the, and what they want to communicate is all about their features benefits. The And I get that they're looking for product market fit. I totally understand that whole thing. But if you are going to take a content marketing approach, you have to create a system so that you're delivering value to your audience that has nothing to do with your product and service. It might be around the same types of things, but what can your product and service offer and fix that has nothing to do with your product and service? What's the content? What's the information? And that's what we want to focus on. Right. And you see, I mean, there, you know, when you look at Google Trends, content marketing, it just continues to trend up. And a lot of people are doing it now, but there's a lot of, you know, me too type content that looks like eHow content. You know, it's very thin. And, you know, a lot of people are talking about, oh, you need to write like long form content, 2000 to 2500 words to, to really stand out. But then as more and more people start to do that, how do you differentiate yourself? Well, first of all, you have to make sure you're telling a different story. That's the number one thing. I mean, what, first of all, if you look at, okay, what, what is your passion as an organization? And then what is your authority to communicate around? I mean, what do people will actually take you uh, as a credible figure to communicate around? And then you go into step two. That's what we talk about the content tilt. Where are you really telling a different story? So if, you, if you're not sure, just start to look at all your blogs, look at your webinars, look at all the stuff you're communicating, look at your newsletters. Is it any different than anything else out there? And if it's not, you're going to have a problem. Back five years ago, you could do the quantity game. You could throw as much, I want to say crappy content out there as you (laughs) wanted. You could do the right keywords and you could absolutely game the system. You can't today. You have to break through with something that is truly different and truly helpful. And so if I'm going to spend my money, my time and my resources on something, I first want to make sure that it's something different. And then I'm going to really focus. I'm going to really do that. And is it, is it the podcast that I'm going to focus this thing around? Is it a YouTube series? Is it a regular blog? Am I going to think about those things? And I don't want to do too much at first. I actually want to, if you look at every successful media company since the dawn of time, they've all started the same way. They started with one content type on one content platform consistently delivered over time. Startups don't do that. They're a little bit all over the place. So just get really focused and do something that you can be the greatest in the world at, even though that might start out very small. And once you see success, then you can expand from there. Makes sense. And you say in one of your previous interviews that it takes typically, you know, 12 months to to really start to build an audience. What does an audience look like in your definition? Well, an audience is somebody that actually wants to receive your content. <clears throat> and so so who is that? So let's say let's say first of all, you're if you're a startup, you probably let's say you're a B2B technology startup. You know that you have seven to nine decision makers in that process. You have you have the main buying decision maker, then you have influencers, gatekeepers, and whatnot. When you go out and you're you're taking a content marketing approach, you've got to make sure you're choosing one of these. You can't choose all of them. You can't say, "Oh, we're targeting three audiences." It's absolutely not going to work. So focus on who that one is, and then focus on what are their pain points. What can really, what's really keeping them up at night, and just focus on that audience. So a good example is Huffington Post. So I mean, we all know Huffington Post, billion dollar valuation, recently sold again, really successful. They've got two hundred fifty, three hundred different blogs, maybe more than that now. 
They started with just one, just one to one particular audience. They built that number, whatever that number is for you. So set a number is that, do you, do you think you have to have 5,000? Is it 10,000? If it's a consumer technology startup or something like that, it might have to be 100,000 or 500,000. Are whatever you talking the, email says, list here? It could, yeah, <clears throat> subscribers in some way. Got it. So let's say it's email subscribers. It could be uh, if your your platform's on YouTube, it could be YouTube subscribers. It could be iTunes subscribers. Oh. Something you always want to convert to email, absolutely. Mm-hmm. But you don't have to start there. So let's say it's you know let's say you're Matthew Patrick and you've started Game Theory when he so he's got over five million subscribers on his YouTube platform. So that that's he started there. He felt to start he needed five hundred thousand because he's targeting consumers, actually kids. So how could, what does he have to do? He set that as his number, and then he really started to monetize that once he got the 500,000. So really pick a number that all you're going to do is try to get to that number of subscribers, email, iTunes, YouTube, whatever the case is. Do everything you can there, and don't worry about monetization until you get to that point. All right. And you talk a lot about uh, personas. What, is that, what does a persona mean exactly, and how does somebody go about creating one? Persona, to just simplify it, persona is a way we want to look at that we can make our audience more real to the people that are creating our content. Because what you want to do is what what most people in the startup world, when they start creating content or they get a, a, a brief in front of them, they just start creating content based on the objectives of the what the piece, oh, we've got to sell this many widgets or this is what we want to focus on or this is what we want to talk about. It's all coming from us out to our audience. We want to make the persona the center of it. So, you know, what is that person's needs? What's keeps them up? What, what's keeping them up at night? What's the outcome? What do we want them to get out of this? Do we want them to get a better job, live a better life in some way? And a lot of people name their personas, right? It, it may We may call our persona Eric or Joe or Susie or whatever, because we just want to make sure that when we're writing or when we're creating content, we have Eric or Joe or Susie in mind, and this is what their pain points are, and this is what's keeping them up at night. The, re- the biggest reason why we want to do that is it helps us realize that we are not the audience for our content. That's, I think that's a, one of the number one mistakes that startups make is they think that, oh, this is the content I would like. Well, it doesn't matter what you like. It matters what your audience likes. So if you could visualize and really get a good handle on what your persona wants and needs and what their emotional connections can be, that really gets you focused on creating content that's going to be compelling and relevant and actually spread and be worthwhile. Okay. I, I know I know HubSpot has a tool out there called makemypersona.com or something like that. Do you guys have any tools that use to to create uh, personas or any specific like must-ask questions? Yeah, we've got some. I mean, there's there's quite a few different ways to do it. We've got a couple different templates. Like if you put in you know, on our site, contentmarketinginstitute.com and put in buyer persona template, you'll come up with some different ones. I'm, I actually don't even care what you use as long as you go ahead and do it and ask the questions. My number one thing though is the audience outcome. And I want to add, so let's say that you're doing an editorial calendar, Eric, or content marketing calendar and you have, okay, we're going to do a blog and here is the topic of our blog. Here's the keywords we're focusing on. Here's the audience we're going after, on and on and on. And this is the approvals and everything. And then I want you to add a section called or uh, uh, some something in as part of that called audience outcome. And I want to know what's in it for the audience. And if you really focus on that and you understand what your buyer persona is and you get to that audience outcome, then you're going to be focused on that you know outside in approach instead of everything coming from the brand. It really, really works well. Makes sense. And it's, it's something I've, you know, this is, I'm raising my hand right now. This is, this is a mistake or something I've neglected and something I've been looking at recently. So I, I think a lot of startups will tend to forget about, you know, 
creating personas and creating very specific content tailored towards it. Um, and I think, well, it's something that's really important. So we'll drop it in the show notes. We'll drop in uh, the tool that you mentioned and then uh, everybody check it out. But one thing I want to ask, I mean, obviously you guys have spent a lot of time, you know, creating all this content. You guys have built that audience already. So when you guys create content, it's pretty simple to promote to your social media channels and, and get things going there. But for startups, you know, how would you go about promoting a piece? Well, first of all, you want to you want to make sure that you really understand where your audience is hanging out right now because if you're creating a new content marketing approach you're going after a new audience they're already engaging in content right you're competing with google you're competing with yahoo you're competing with everything else including the type of content that you want to talk about so you want to make you're going to have to pull you're competing with somebody else you're going to have to pull them their attention from some other place well i want to first of all i want to make a list of well where are they hanging out is it on blogger sites? Is it on association sites? Are these small media companies? And I want to make a list of those. So start off with a list of, let's say, five to 10. And then I want to figure out, okay, well, what am I going to do about that? So let's say some of those are blogger sites. I want to figure out, okay, how do I get active in that community? That may be through, you're going to start sharing that person's content. You're going to then over and over uh, share that content maybe comment on their blog, start getting involved in their community because at some point, maybe in a month or two after that, and they start to know you, you're going to reach out to them and you're going to figure out, okay, maybe maybe in that case, we want to do a co-branded uh, webinar with them. Maybe we want to do um, an ebook of some kind. Maybe you want to guest blog on their blog, something like that, where you can start because ultimately you want to st- you know, I'm going to be nice about it, but you want to steal their audience. Mm-hmm. That's what you want to do. You want to take those five to 10, you want to steal their audience. So you want to make sure you have some kind of a system, a real strategic si- approach in place so that you're trying to figure out how do I get that audience over to where, you know, nobody's engaging with my content right now because they don't know me because of course you're going to want to get it through organic search and you want people to share that. But you're right at the beginning, nobody's paying attention. You're, you're starting this fresh. You don't even know. So the social influencers, uh, the influences in the, in the market that you're going after where your audience is hanging out is critically important. I would absolutely start there. And obviously you should be looking at paid. You should be looking, not paid promotion for your products and services, but ba- paid promotion of your content using things like the Twitter, Twitter sponsored posts, uh, whether you're looking at, uh, Facebook is a great place. For sponsored content, if you're going to use pay-per-click, instead of using pay-per-click on your products and services, maybe you do that on your content, do a content offer as well. Those types of things you're going to definitely want to do. And then once you build an audience of subscribers, then you can wean yourself off of the paid platforms. Yeah, a lot of direct response marketers are switching more from the, you know, pushing people directly to a product page to pushing them directly to content now and trying to get a subscription there. Uh, which I think is, is super interesting. And I, I think, you know, when it comes to paid advertising, a lot, a lot of people are already doing it now. And I, I think it's just going to continue to grow. And I mean, you, you mentioned Facebook and Twitter, you know, one other channel people aren't really thinking about, thinking about right now. And I encourage you to try it. Uh, everybody that's listening, Gmail advertising. If you try pushing Gmail ads to a piece of content, um, you know, we're getting email signups for a dollar to two dollars per email signup and sometimes even webinar signups too. So nice. check that out before it gets Absolutely. saturated. Yeah. That's great. Yep. Um, all right. So that's great. I mean, you guys have a ton of great writers, great speakers all the time. Where let's just focus on the blog right now. How do you go about finding these great content creators? So the, the first thing you want to do is you, you want to go through that whole competitive 
uh, analysis that we talked about and and try to figure out okay well who are the thought leaders in your industry and you're going to you're going to want to hopefully build those relationships over time and work with them yes you can absolutely pay writers to uh, create content on your platform but you also want there's also people out there that would like to be on your platform as you grow this so get that list and initially what we did is that's what we started so let's see I started the blog April 26 2007 was my first blog post for the first year Eric, it was basically just me. Mm -hmm. I'm just building the platform as we go. Then I started to add, then Michelle Lynn came on board. She started to create content. There were two of us. Then we started to build that influencer community. Now today, I blog about once every two weeks and every other day of the week is one of the influencers in our community that's creating a piece of content. We, I think last year we had 150 different authors. Uh, we get about four or five requests a day now. So what you get up to a certain point, you're going to get all kinds of offers because people want to get in front of a larger audience. But at the beginning, you're going to have to build relationships with people and talk to them on an ongoing basis. And you know, basically, you're pulling some favors to start getting some people to create content for you unless you're going to pay people for it, which at the beginning, you probably want to look at both things. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I remember speaking to uh, Neil Patel. He mentioned when they started the Kiss Metrics blog, which I think gets a couple hundred thousand visitors a month right now. Um, they paid people, you know, three to 400 bucks per post. And maybe that's what it's going to take, uh, in the beginning, depending on how technical or, uh, technical your content is. So I think that's, yeah, you might want to have a column writer. You might want to have like once a week that you have mm -hmm. somebody specific that you're going to pay and say, you know, you are one of the voices in our community. I want to pay you, uh, a, you know, a good solid rate to do that. Um, I, I absolutely, and we, we still do that today. So I think a lot of people think that you, you have, oh, it all has to be free. No, it really shouldn't be free. Mm -hmm. You should really, if there's some experts out there that can add to your community and you can, you can look at what the return on that would be. I would absolutely look at that. Cause obviously with our magazine too, a lot of the, a lot of the writers that we have on the magazine, we pay them for it. We leverage that digitally as well. And then what's great about that, you talked about our events and our speakers. I mean, the writers that we have on, on the blog, the writers that we have in the magazine, those become a lot, in a lot of cases, our speakers. So we're, that's why if you have somebody get involved in your community and then you have lots of different offers and ways that you can help them, you know, what do they want to accomplish? Do, you, do they want their own speaking gigs? Do they want to uh, be seen as a thought leader in their industry? You can help them and as they're helping you create that content. I love it. I love it. Um, all right. Well, I want to switch gears right here and take things more on the personal side. What's one piece of advice you'd give to your 25 year old self? Oh man. Uh, you know, <laughs> I probably, I wouldn't, I wouldn't, I probably would have started the business sooner. I, I always thought that I needed to be, I needed to be ready. Mm -hmm. Like there was going to be some magical moment that I'm like, okay, now's the time. But of yep. course I realized that there is no such thing like that. And you just launch it when you can launch the other. I, and if, so let's just put that aside. So for those people listening, what's a really good helpful tip, I would, I would be reading more. I think the biggest difference between now, I mean, I'm 42 years old now and when I was 25, I read a lot more like already in January, I think I read, I've already read four or five books. And I think that it, the more that you can read, the more it changes your perspective on anything. And I don't care if it's fiction or nonfiction. It doesn't matter. It just changes your thinking about the world. You get more ideas. I think you're more innovative when you read. So I would absolutely be just listing the types of books that you should be reading. And I think it, it'll, it'll, it'll expand your thinking in a positive way. 
Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head. I mean, at least for me, when I listen to whatever podcast, I can be listening to anything. You talk about fiction too. And as long as I get one key takeaway or one idea afterwards, you know, I, I'm happy. Um, because you got, you can't just live in, you know, your own head all the time, right? Um, so I, I guess what this leads up to my next question, you know, what are some, cause there's so much stuff we have around, you know, consuming, uh, information today. You know, what are some ways or hacks, um, hacks that you can share around consuming, you know, information quickly? Um, that is a good question. My, I am not about quick. I'm not about the quick, you know, there's so much content out there, right? But we, we still have the same amount of attention span and time of the day. So what do we go to? You, you focus on the things that are going to be really helpful. So I would honestly stay off of Facebook as often as you can (laughs) stay off of the things that are going to be a time suck. You know, if you have your lists and Twitter and things that you focus on, get that list refined so that you're seeing recommendations that are going to be worth your time and you're not going to waste time. I see more and more of my friends are just spending two, three, four, five, hours a day on Facebook and they're not, they're not, that's time you'll never get back. So I, w- I would really, and the other thing that I would say is get out of email as much as you can. Mm-hmm. So if you can focus, let's say there's two times a day you're checking email, maybe one, you know, and I wouldn't do it in the morning. Let's say you do it at 10 yeah. and three or something like that. And that's your time. You're going to spend 30 minutes and you're going to do that or whatever the case is. And I would, it would absolutely save you a ton of time so you can be more productive. Yeah, batching your time is probably one of the biggest things you can do, anybody in the audience. So yeah, I, I love that suggestion. Um, so, you know, obviously I've, I've read Content Inc. I've read, uh, Epic Content Marketing. Those are great books. Any book written by you, written by you, any books written by you are great. Thank but you. what's one must read book you'd recommend that is not written by you? Oh, uh, there's a couple that have been life changing for me. Think and Grow Rich from Napoleon Hill is, was a life changer. Uh, and I read that uh, probably 20 years ago. It's from 1937, 38. So it's, it's very old. Some of the, uh, the phrasing is a little bit dated, but absolutely really, really important. That one actually, uh, combined with Grant Cardone's 10X rule, mm-hmm. uh, is, is, is sort of how I, I, you know, put together, you know, my daily routine of how I can get focused on my goals on an ongoing basis. From that standpoint, on a fiction, uh, basis, A Stranger in a Strange Land by Robert Heinlein is my favorite book of all time. And especially as an entrepreneur, as a startup, uh, if you, if you want to understand passion and focus, that book is it. And it does it in a, in a science fiction. Um, I can't, I'm not going to give anything away, but if I was to recommend one book and one book only, if you were stranded on a desert isle, island, which book would you have? It'd be Stranger in a Strange Land. Interesting. Okay. I've never heard of that one. I will drop it in the show notes and I'm probably going to buy it right after this. Um, all right. Well, Joe, this has been fantastic. What's the best way for people to find you online? I'm at Joe Polizzi, P-U-L-I-Z-Z-I on Twitter. Uh, and I'm, if you want anything on the book site, it's content-inc.com. And, uh, you know, basically free ebook, free chapter, all that kind of good stuff. And then you could just Google me too, because I'm, I'm accessible in like a thousand different places online. So yeah. If you tweet me, if you tweet at me, I usually try to get back to you at least 24 hours. And make sure you check out their podcast as well. It's, it's all free information anyway, right? So you're, you're shooting yourself in the foot if you're not. Everyone, this is Joe. Joe, thanks again for doing this. Thanks a lot, Eric. Appreciate it. Hey everyone, just a quick heads up that we're giving away a ebook called 29 Growth Hacking Quick Wins. We co-authored this book with Matan Griffel of One Month and it'll give you a solid base on where you can create growth ideas from. So all you need to do is text QUICK TIPS to 33444. That's the word QUICK, Q-U-I-C-K and TIPS, T-I-P-S as in sugar to 
3444 and you get instant access. Thanks for listening to this episode of Growth Everywhere. If you loved what you heard, be sure to head back to growtheverywhere.com for today's show notes and a ton of additional resources. But before you go, hit the subscribe button to avoid missing out on next week's value-packed interview. Enjoy the rest of your week and remember to take action and continue growing.